Hello everyone, welcome to the Libero podcast, the landmark Libero podcast. It's number 10, we're into double figures. I'm glad to be joined this evening by Mr Daniel Short, Mr Zachary Howe. How are you chaps, you both well? Yeah, good fellow, you? Yeah, yeah good, not too good, bad, good, not good. too bad boys. A lot happier this week, my mental health has taken a massive upturn with the news that the Premier League is going to be back from June the 17th. Ike was positively bouncing around at work at the news. And this is what this podcast is going to be about. We're going to be looking at Project Restart, our thoughts, our feelings, how at the moment it's being described by the Premier League, how they're going to come back, what they're going to be doing. And maybe a, a short comparison as well to the Bundesliga with regards to how they're testing their players, how we're testing ours, etc, etc. So the big news then, chaps, is that the Premier League is going to be back on June the 17th. Not to be too excited, but it's 18 days from now with the games in hand, which is going to be Manchester City against Arsenal and Aston Villa against Sheffield United. Daniel, we'll start with you. As being an Arsenal fan, you're up first against Man City. Looking forward to it? You excited? Nice, easy uh, way back in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy we're finally back. We actually watched some British football, as good as the Bundesliga has been over the sort of last week or so. Whether it'll be, well, it will be different. Obviously, there's no fans there, but I'd like to think there will be more intensity, as the Premiership always is compared to your European leagues. I think we might, I'm hoping we'll see better foot, better quality of football. Yes, we can see with the Bundesliga, can't we, chaps, especially the watch songs we've done, that the quality is getting better and better week on week. You'd imagine it'd be a, be a slow start. Personally, being a Liverpool fan, I hope it's a slow start for Man City. Zach, are you looking forward? I mean, if it wasn't Man City and Arsenal, if it was just Villa against Sheffield United, I think we'd all be super excited for that game, wouldn't we? Being the first game back. Yeah, just just looking forward to getting football back on. And I've got to be honest, looking forward to actually drawing a line under this season because it's turned. I think it's turned into something of a a millstone around the necks of the players and the managers and the clubs now. Yeah, I think they'd be happy, wouldn't they, to get to get it over and done with. I think we've had a lot of opinion, mostly from Gary Neville, over the past, what, 10 weeks, probably even longer than that since since football's been locked down and finished, that you know, null and void the season, etc., etc., should we restart, points per game, etc., etc. It's nice now to happen. Uh, at the moment, it is provisional, we should say. There's nothing been completely set in stone by the government to say that it's OK. This is the Premier League's idea on how they're going to come back. It would be a kick of the bollocks now, I think if they say nah actually we're not we're not going to go forward and I think that the actions of people over the next two weeks now the lockdown's restricted as well to six people outside may have a bit of an impact but we'll, we'll see how it goes I mean Premiership players have been tested all of the time so the fixtures are going to hopefully we think again not confirmed or provisional they're going to follow the original schedule so the first week back after the two games midweek which uh, make sure everyone plays the same amount of games they are everyone's games in hand probably largely you think they're doing that to make sure everyone's got the same amount of games, just in case we have to spike and everyone getting it cancelled. Yeah, almost, almost certainly play it safe. And then at least if you do have to go on a points per game basis, you're all working from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, I mean, people obviously will always complain, wouldn't they, Dan? Oh, we've played Man City away and we've played Liverpool away and you know, we've had a harder, harder first 29 games than anybody else, but them the breaks so to speak. Yeah, yeah, you're never you're never going to please anyone, but at least, like Zach said, you're, you're all on the same baseline, aren't you? So at least it's one thing you can put more together. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, I think. Now, obviously, obviously there's going to be no fans. And quite interesting, on that first full match weekend, also Italy and Spain are going to be going back, which is quite surprising, because we were two weeks behind them in our coronavirus, COVID-19 response, and yet we're going back the same time as they are. Uh, maybe they're being overcautious. 
maybe we're being more reckless, who knows? But an interesting fact, lads, that we, we've spoken about during the weekend on various watch-longs is that since games in, in the Bundesliga, which is the only comparison really we have at the moment, only five teams, only five games out of 27 so far have finished in a home win, which is, to me, quite a shocking stat. Less than 20% of, if my maths are correct, teams are winning home games, which should make some interesting, <laughs> interesting results in the Premier League, being the, and as you always say, the most unexpected top league in the world with regards to the, the quality of the teams around. Should be interesting, shouldn't it, Dan? Yeah, I think it shows just how that 12th man, as it were, as it always gets referred to, is, you know, uh, how important it is to teams. You know, it's I, I think playing at home is always seen as an advantage because you've got the majority of the spectators cheering your name or getting on the backs of your opponent. Mm. So, I mean, obviously from the Bundesliga, it's, it's seen quite apparent. It's a massive miss, which can only be good if that if that translates to the Premier League as we're playing City. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope I, <laughs> I hope it does. I, I look at the, the example that we had last week and we've done the, the Dortmund Bayern Munich watch along. Now, Zach, I don't know your opinion, but my opinion, looking back on that game, is that I think if this is a home crowd, a fervent Westphal Stadion or Signal Agunda Park, for the millennials if there's 60,000 lunatic Dortmund fans and I think Dortmund win that game I'm not sure I'd go as far as to say that they win it I mean I've I've got to be honest even the statistics show that we probably could have played that game they could still be playing it and it would be nil-nil Bayern largely benefited from a terrible goalkeeping error probably where it makes the most differences in the influence of the officials. Particularly with that VAR incident where Boateng dived out and put his arm out and yet no Dortmund players responded and they took a quick corner, which is a bit odd from where I was watching it anyway. I think probably you'd have to imagine that the players have been told to watch what they say anyway because everything they say can be heard by the television microphones now. So you've got to imagine that with the the white noise of 60-odd thousand Dortmund fans, they probably would have been a little bit more excited in their appealing for that penalty. Yeah, yeah, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah, which should be interesting, and, and it should be an interesting thing to see in England as well. I think with, without fans there, it'd be interesting to hear the language used on the pitch <laughs> and how quick the Sky, Sky slash Amazon slash BT Sport slash BBC Sport cameras are to microphones are to switch off whenever a player is about to take a throw and there's a corner. Yeah, have they? Have they decided whether they're going to commit into broadcasting artificial crowd noise on the television audio or not? No, not yet. Although I have heard there are some apps around that you can use and you can stream if you're watching it with children. I don't know any of the names off by heart, but you can you can stream live. <laughs> I'm all up for, to be fair, the blood and thunder of it. It's like Andy mentioned in last week's podcast. It's hearing the tackling, it's hearing that crunch, you know, and 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 the real blood and thunder of football that we don't really get. I think I think we think a lot of footballers are protected, and you know they are. But be interesting to see what goes on a pitch. And I think a lot of people will learn a lot of things about football, even avid supporters like ourselves. We don't watch games behind closed doors. We don't watch games right. We can't hear how players are talking to each other. I know a couple of guys who are into youth football managers, and they're saying you know kids don't talk to each other anymore. So it'd be interesting just for them to see how players interact on a pitch how they're talking, who they're talking to, and, you know, maybe just a myriad of languages that are spoken on a pitch as well. Some players converse in, in different languages to confuse opposition, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Alongside, though, the Premier League, we also have Dan, your favourite competition, the FA Cup, and Arsenal's favourite competition. So you're, you've got your trophy for this season, Dan. Has, uh, the FA have, have confirmed today that the FA Cup will resume from the quarter-final stage. The weekend commencing June the 27th. For those of you who may not remember what the quarter-final fixtures are, we've got Sheffield United against Arsenal, Newcastle against Man City, Norwich against Manchester United and Leicester 
against Chelsea. So, Dan, who are Arsenal going to play in the final this year? It'd be nice to do Newcastle, obviously, so we can now I can sit around with my brothers and watch that one. That would be good. But, I mean, got to get past Sheffield first. They're sat two, one, two places above us, I think, in the league. So You, you might get away with a giant killing. Strange <laughs> 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 happened. Very good. So, I mean, yeah, so, you know, we've we got, we got to get past them, yeah. I'd like to think we could, but like I say, I mean, their league form's been pretty, pretty good. Or rather, ours might have been pretty bad this season. I'm not sure, but mixture of both, maybe. Zach, obviously, Spurs and Liverpool binned off the FA Cup early because we're in the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the we were in the Champions League. Is it Man City to lose? I mean, you you have to imagine that it's probably up there on the list for Pep Guardiola now. I mean, not winning the Premier League is going to be a massive blow for Manchester City. I think probably the least he's going to expect is his team to wipe up the rest of the competitions that they're in. If they end up falling short in all of them this season, I think think it's going to be difficult to see how he stays enthusiastic about staying there. Yeah, I mean, he he loses interest quickly, doesn't he, with the clubs that he he manages. He's not a a 10, 12-year manager. He's a four years, I think, at, at Barca, four years at three years at Bayern. If they get away with appealing their Champions League ban, any appeal is going to be contingent on their finances being really closely scrutinised for the next couple of years. So they aren't going to get away with going out and signing a 100 million replacement for Fernandinho and a 50 million replacement for Vincent Company. They've got they've got work to do, I think. Yeah, I think if the Champions League decision goes against them, I don't think it will. I think they'll get a year. I think that's why they were given a two initially to have cut that down to a year. I'd like to think they get a year anyway. Kevin De Bruyne has already come out and said, I'm not particularly happy with that. So maybe you can come to Liverpool and sit on the bench for a bit, learn off the master Jordan Henderson. And you can really see that team not falling apart because that's all right. You, you can't drop that in and carry on. <laughs> that's He's dropped a fart in a lift and run away there, Dan. Uh, very quickly brush over that. I know. I know they've appealed the decision through the Court of Arbitration for Sport, which should be interesting. And we'll have we'll definitely have a podcast on that. So yeah, that's the FA Cup. Then I like the way the FA have held their horses slightly to see how this all pans out. We had a conversation a few weeks ago about France and about Holland cancelling their leagues. Dan. Was that now in hindsight premature? I think so. I was I was talking about it with a friend today. We were talking about obviously the Premier League and the FA Cup restarting, and then we thought, wow, the Champions League. You know, is that especially as those leagues have said drawn a line under it and sort of what happens there? I mean, I'm, uh, am I right in thinking it was pretty close at the top of the? Um... Dutch league uh, yeah Ajax and I think AZ Alkmaar were level on points thing is it's hard to say it was the right thing to do at the time but you know if you had hindsight then it's a wonderful thing isn't it yeah I think it both were through the government the government did say in both those situations that you need to stop stop playing um, the government I think the, the Dutch have said that you can't play any any professional sport until September the 1st I think and obviously as we discussed in that episode that, that podcast episode I think Zach you mentioned that you it was the government that actually said to the French Football Federation you have to stop Ligue 1 Ligue 2 yeah I, th- I think largely these organisations wait to take the, have been waiting to take their lead from their respective governments before doing anything and the only mm. reason the Bundesliga restarted when it did was because Germany started to relax social distancing rules yeah so obviously french and the french and the dutch have gone down the way of casting their seasons which has happened in england as well with obviously league one and league two deciding to curtail their seasons and at the moment go into a probable points per game finish to the season weighted regarding home and away records now it 
seems to me that the the, league, the Football League have done this in order to protect Football League clubs. It was bad enough, I think, when Barry went back against the wall early in, early in the season. I wouldn't even want to guess how many clubs below the championship live almost paycheck to paycheck, gate receipt to gate receipt, home game to home game. Zach, do you agree that League One and League Two have gone the, got, done the right thing, gone the right way about it? And as a, as, a, as a second part to the question, do the Premier League have intuitive care now to the Football League to ensure the survival of the remaining clubs? Yeah, absolutely. The answer to both the questions is yes. It's just how you facilitate this. And I can... I think what is needed is an acknowledgement that most of the clubs probably from the mid-level of the championship down are clubs that absolutely rely on being able to put bums on seats in order to survive as a football club. And this historically has been why the three o'clock games uh, kickoffs for the Premier League have been prohibited from being televised. It seems to me that it is about time to acknowledge that this is not a sustainable state of affairs and that actually it's probably worth looking into the financial viability of allowing the three o'clock games to be televised in exchange for a wider distribution of television money back down the football leagues because the, these clubs are not going to survive next season if they have to operate half of their capacity. Yeah, I agree. One thing that it, 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 it said to me, and the Premier League, I, I can see why they would be uneasy at picking up the bill, but a, a lot of teams in the Football League are managed well and within their means. You don't see a lot of League One, League Two teams splashing the cash, trying to let Sunderland decide, maybe. And what's what's the television? rights for a season at the moment about three billion pounds and that's for foreign broadcasting of three o'clock games many of which are watched on streaming sites anyway you could quite happily ask for an extra billion pounds in advertising or an extra billion and a half in advertising to broadcast every game and distribute half a billion among the lower level football clubs and it's cost the premier league clubs really nothing like if anything, they're getting a, a proportional share of an extra billion pounds between them. You, you can turn this into a win-win. You, you need to... It's time for Premier League clubs, clubs to acknowledge that they actually do need the football pyramid, that they can't exist as this kind of monolithic entity that isn't touched by the other things that happen in football. And similarly, it's time for smaller clubs in the country to recognise that their financial model isn't sustainable and they need to essentially cut a deal. And it, it does mean that it probably is going to hit attendances at their matches, but it isn't going to hit attendances at their matches by a proportional offset financially. Like they're going to be better off negotiating a share of broadcast rights. Yeah, it's not going to financially penalise the teams for... Some would say, and I think if you speak to, to fans of teams in League One and League Two, they would, if this was to happen, they would probably accuse their clubs of selling their soul, which you could, to a degree, understand. Dan, I would imagine mm. if you, you know, you, you've, if you, you know, you support a Swindon Town or um, a, a Reading or Bristol City or a Scunthorpe, you know, you've shunned the, the the chance to go and you know support the big teams, have the glory days, have the Champions Leagues, have your your FA Cups and your Premier Leagues. Can you see where they were coming from if they said they you know you, you're selling your soul a little bit, even if it is for financially a, a, the greater good? 
Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, I mean, I can get on board with that. I can get on board with Zach's idea. I, I, you know, I can absolutely see where he's coming from, and it's a, it's a very good argument for it. At the same time, you can see the same same side of the coin. You know, if if they are to start televising, how how many fans are going to go? Well, do you know what? I can save X amount of hundred for this season well, ticket and just watch it at home. And and then, like you were saying, social distancing—that's not a problem at Swindon Town. So, <laughs> how many more fan, How many more people are going to drop by the wayside? The thing is, lads, there there is there is an answer to this question. How many people would watch Swindon Town if they were playing in the conference? If Swindon Town couldn't survive on that money, then the answer is it doesn't matter how many people are not going to show up to your games while you're in League One. Because, it, I mean, it was only... When was I in the last year of university? I mean, Swindon have had scrapes with relegation from the Football League before, certainly before now. And it it is the case that if you're if you, if you can negotiate a, a model that is going to allow your club to financially compete in the league that you're in, it, I think that's worth the trade-off because the people that genuinely do care about Swindon and probably the ones that would argue they're selling their souls, they will be the ones going to watch Swindon if they're in the conference anyway. I mean, yeah, I mean, they'd, they'd be the ones watching if they were playing down the park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which which you no, know, I, I I admire greatly, and you know, I can sit here and say how it would feel to be a fan doing that but you know i i, I wouldn't i don't support swindon town never have obviously for the friends and family who support them i hope they i hope they're i hope they're i hope they're the second best team in england i really do and hopefully this 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 cancellation of league one league two hopefully it's it's a bit like furlough where it's sort of it's a job retention plan but hope hopefully you know all the clubs stick around as long as possible and i said hopefully the premier league can can help them out so obviously with it coming back a lot of the a lot of the news recently in the last couple of weeks and what has led to this announcement this week with the Premier League coming back has been the COVID testing that's happening in the Premier League. So we're in our third round now of COVID testing. Just to give you a you got you chaps a, a comparison against the Bundesliga. Uh, in the first round of testing in the pre- this is all in the Premier League. In the first round of testing, we had six positive COVID cases, and if I recall, one of them was Ian Wone, assistant manager at Burnley. Three of them were at Watford, one of them being uh, Mariapa, the central midfielder. And then there were two, at that time, unknown players and all staff somewhere else in the the Premier League. The second round, that dropped from six to two. And then we just had the third round testing, which has seen four more players and all staff contract coronavirus. So... In the first three rounds, we had 12 players, players and staff, out of 1,000-odd tests. Now, I've done a little bit of quick maths earlier, and if I extrapolated this COVID-positive rate against uh, the population of the United Kingdom, that would only equate to 24,000 positive cases in the whole of the UK, which is about, what, about 10,000 less than the actual death rate. So, as you can see, the percentages are very, very low. It's less than 1%. The Bundesliga had... 12 t- positive cases in the first two rounds of testing. We've had it in the first three. So there or thereabouts with regards to the, the positive testing. But the, the caveat is with the with the German testing, they've done that over two divisions rather than just one. Zach, are you happy with the results that come out? Are you happy with those figures? Yeah, I mean, it's, clubs can only do so much to protect the players and the staff, much like 
every other industry in the country now. People yeah. are having to go back to work and this is work. The fact that it's a job in the entertainment industry is really, the, is really neither here nor there. To give you an idea of background behind the statistics is that the players, so say if you were tested positive in the first round, obviously you're not tested in the second round because you're still isolated. Stockdale, the goalkeeper at Bournemouth, he tested negative in the first round but then positive in the second round. So obviously, and he, that was a three-day gap between the two. And he said, you know, he's picked that up you know, going shopping or, or, or whatever. He said it was. Dan, same question to you. Would you be, are you happy with those, those yeah, figures? Absolutely. And, and not to lesser of a point on people who have lost their lives due to it. For me, those numbers are very low. Like like we said, when you put them to the actual death rate that we've had in the UK, um, those those numbers are very, very low. Do you agree, Dan, with the decision of Ingolo Kante, who has potentially an underlying heart condition, to only resume light training and individual training this week. In the realisation that BAME groups have a higher risk of death coronavirus. I, I, th- I think without fail, the same as in any company, I mean, I know I've had in my company colleagues that have got underlying problems that have had that conversation with the uh, with the company. And I'm sure, you know, they would have had that conversation with him. These conversations will go behind closed doors. And it, like you say, that there's going to be no forcing of players to do anything. At the end of the day, if, if you're not going to, if you're not going to, if you don't feel comfortable playing or you have an underlying condition, you're not going to play, are you, no. at the end of the day? The worry is, and there's always going to be this worry, particularly with anything like this, Zach, is that, I'm just using N'Golo Kante as an, as an example here, but this could happen to any player, of course. N'Golo Kante goes back to trading, contracts coronavirus and dies. Any player passes away from it, which is possible. People have died and much younger than Premiership footballers and obviously their their fit is fleas. But Zach, we we know we've seen throughout the years fit, healthy young men drop dead on football pitches. Mark Vivian being one, Fabrice and Wamba nearly being one against you men actually at YR Lane, wasn't it? That's the big worry, isn't it? That there are players, particularly from BAME groups, that have underlying heart conditions that haven't been traced yet, that this could potentially kill them. Would you back Ingolo Kante and his stance to not go back at the moment? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Every player, regardless of whether they're part of the black or ethnic minority group, should have the choice as to whether or not they return here. What complicates the question of this is if they're opting out of training, do you still pay them? And is it technically, I mean, it's technically a breach of contract to do this. And I I think that there is publicly a perception that the footballers have mishandled themselves during this coronavirus crisis and there's probably not a great well of sympathy for them or the clubs at the moment let's say spurs your team have had a few players who've obviously been caught out with the you know trading the parks originally got caught up in the furloughing i say scandal a couple of couple of months ago if let's just say pick a name out of a hat Harry Kane refused to play or refused to train. Would you feel comfortable in Spurs paying his wages? I mean, ab- absolutely not. And the the comparison that will inevitably be drawn is that you have nurses and doctors and delivery drivers have had to continue working while being exposed to the dangers of contracting the coronavirus. We are now widely at a state where we've been instructed that if you can't work from home you must return to work now just as anybody 
in the country can opt out of doing this if they have a job. You, you could opt out of going back to work if you wanted to, but you would be fired for doing it. And yeah. I think the, the, the point about the lack of public sympathy for them is, is more to, to highlight that it's important that we don't start to engage in kind of whataboutism. You know, it's, well, it's okay for Dominic Cummings to go out and do what he wants, but we have to stay inside. This is so, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ignore it as well because Dominic Cummings has. I mean, this is an absurd way to behave. Just because someone else does something wrong doesn't mean that you also have to do something wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, if somebody murders someone, you won't go, oh, he's done it, so I'm going to try and get away with it. Yeah. But murder being obviously a lot more serious than breaking lockdown rules. But the point is still valid, I suppose. Yeah, I I think the fact is that it would be very difficult to justify paying the wages of a player who was opting out of returning to work from because of a fear of what it can what it could potentially do. Because the the fact is that despite being part of a uh, any black and ethnic minority group, professional athletes age between 20 and 35 are still going to be among the lowest risk group that you can possibly imagine. I mean, I mean, and let's, let's, let's not beat about the bush here. I mean, at the minute, being a professional footballer, you are probably at the least likely to catch coronavirus because of this. I don't know of another job in the, the whole world. I mean, that's getting tested. Maybe the president of the United States or the prime minister of the United Kingdom being tested three times a week for coronavirus. It is almost the, one of the safest i mean even the nurses and doctors are not being tested right this was part of the mm. complaint yeah. that it probably is the safest place to be not to mention that you are you are spending presumably most of your time with people who you have been in isolation with or who have also been in isolation yeah the question the question is whether you can trust the rest of your teammates to have behaved appropriately i mean tottenham tottenham have had several players guilty of it and you know doing it is wrong but there are gradations of sin in the way that people have broken these lockdown rules and it's i think it goes without saying that kyle walker's bunga bunga parties are particularly egregious <laughs> examples of ignoring the rules that are in place and yeah. let's not forget callum hudson adoy who was one of, if not the first footballer to test positive for the virus and yeah. is now finding himself in an absolute mess of trouble because of certainly breaking lockdown restrictions and arranging for someone to visit him on yeah. top of now other allegations that he has to deal with. Well, we'll leave the podcast for there tonight, chat. Don't forget you can follow us on our socials, on Facebook, at The Libero Online, on Twitter, at The Libero Online, and on Instagram, at Libero Online. Don't forget also you can listen to this podcast and all of our other nine podcasts on our website at www.thelibero.co.uk. Thank you very much for joining me, Zach and Dan. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all very, very soon.